premillennial, pre-tribulational, dispensational, independent, and standing on the inspired, preserved Word of God, the King James Bible as our final authority, this is the Sword of the Spirit Podcast with your host and Bible teacher, Joseph Ruciello. Take your Bible, sit back, and join us as we open and study the Word of God. And now, here's your host. Hey folks, welcome to another episode of the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiella, and it is great to be with you once again as we open up and we study the Word of God. And when I tell you that I am excited to be here today, I am really excited to be here today. But, you know, also my prayer for you this morning is that wherever you are, whenever you are, and on whatever platform you find yourself listening to us on, it's also my prayer that you find yourself in the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, folks, before we get into the Bible study today, uh, man, and I am looking forward to the Bible study today. But before we do, would you go over to our website, com, and when you get over there, just two things I'd like you to do for me. Uh, the first thing is to go over to our contact section and send us off a message. And uh, the other thing I'd like you to do is if you've been praying about this and you've been considering doing this and you feel the Lord leading you to do it, look for that support this podcast button. Click that little thing and uh, you can contribute to this ministry. We've set it up for 99 cents a month, 4.99 a month, and 9.99 a month. And uh, that's all I'm gonna say about it. So if the Lord's been leading you to do so, you've been praying about it, and you feel like you can do it, we would appreciate it, and we'd be, would be very, very thankful for it. And speaking of being thankful, uh, I just wanna say thank you to everyone who has supported us uh, prayerfully, and those of you who have supported us financially, and uh, those of you who support us just by listening in every single week, you know, that means a tremendous amount to me, and uh, and I, I thank you for that, and I appreciate it for those faithful folks uh, in every one of those categories. So, uh, folks, and if you're in the Eagle Pass area and you're looking for a solid, good, Bible-believing King James Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, I'd like to invite you to visit us at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass. We meet at 664 North Monroe Street. Our Sunday school hour starts at 10 a.m. Our worship service is at 11. Our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. And our Wednesday night Bible study is at 7 p.m. For more information, you can visit our church's Facebook page. Just log into Facebook, search for First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass, and then once you get there, you'll find a ton of really good and helpful information, including um, archived episodes of this podcast. And uh, not only can you find our podcast on uh, our Facebook page, you can find it on our homepage, sortofthespiritpodcast.com. Uh, you can also find us on Spotify, Anchor, Spreaker, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, uh, CastBox, and Good Pods. And I would encourage you, actually, to check out Good Pods. It's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. So wherever it is that you're listening to us, uh, just be sure to share it with your friends, your family, and your followers, and help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So a little bit ago, I told you that... Um, 
had a really interesting week, uh, to say the least. Really interesting week. Um, so uh, I don't know how many of you know this, but um, I was working two uh, two jobs, two full-time jobs, in addition to doing the podcast, in addition to, to everything else that I, that I do on a on a regular basis. And uh, just this past week, I was released from uh, job number two. Um, understandable. Uh, because of the situation with two full-time jobs, it's kind of hard to devote enough time to either one. And uh, so I was released from the first, the second job. And uh, uh, it hurt because, hey, you know what? That extra money coming in helped to pay for a lot of the stuff that we're trying to do here with the Sword of the Spirit podcast and uh, a few other things that I had going on. Uh, uh, the other part that hurt too, and this is kind of a, you know, forgive me for it, but a prideful thing, is that I've been working since I'm 16 years old and this is the first time I've ever been released from a job. So uh, very, yeah, very weird feeling but um but praise the lord you know why because the lord knew that i've been feeling kind of down in the dumps about it and uh do you know what he did for me i'll tell you what he did for me the lord gave me a soul to win for him isn't that amazing well praise the lord for that right amen amen so on uh august 18th which was just a couple of days ago uh the lord gave me the the privilege of first of all uh, giving one of my coworkers from job number one a uh, Ruckman reference Bible. And uh, then just the next day, he gave me the opportunity to lead her to Jesus Christ. So uh, I asked her if I could use her name. Uh, she hasn't responded to my message, so I'm not going to say her name. But if she's listening, uh, she knows who she is. And uh, I'm really thankful that uh, that the Lord gave me the opportunity to speak to you about your soul and about salvation and that uh, you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. So again, if you're listening, God bless you and thank you for that. And uh, really just exciting, just exciting stuff, man. Really exciting. You know, uh, there's nothing in the world like leading someone to Jesus Christ, you know, and to seeing them grow and, and the love and admonition of the Lord and to grow in their study and be hungry for the Word of God. So uh, with that said, I think what we ought to do is uh, get into our prayer list. And I cannot believe that I'm doing it again, that I can't find my prayer list. Ah, here it is. Okay. Sorry for the noise. Here it comes. And sorry for the echo. I turned away from the mic. Uh, just give me one second here. All right. All righty. So, so for our prayer list, uh, getting right into that. Uh, so we want to pray today for, uh, for Tilden. Tilden is a, is a newborn who was, uh, diagnosed with bacterial meningitis. So we want to pray for Tilden. We also want to pray for James. Uh, James is another little boy. Uh, James uh, very possibly has rheumatoid arthritis, and uh, I know rheumatoid arthritis in an adult is not a, a nice thing. My mom has rheumatoid arthritis, and it's uh, it's, it's difficult. Um, my mom is a little bit more advanced, uh, but uh, we'll get to mom in a bit. But um, so we want to pray for James, uh, possibly with rheumatoid arthritis. 
And of course, we're going to continue to pray for uh, Sister Bernice, who uh, tomorrow will be traveling to get uh, another scan. And then on Thursday, she'll be traveling again uh, for the results of the scan from tomorrow. And that she'll also be uh, getting our next treatment. And as you know, if you've been listening enough, you know that Bernice is a sister in our church. And uh, she's been fighting cancer for quite some time. So we want to continue to pray for Bernice. We also want to pray for Bernice's mom. Um, they found a spot on her lungs. They don't know if it's cancer uh, just yet. So she'll be going for some tests. So we want to pray for her mom as well. Uh, then we have... Uh, a lady named Paula, who is in in her 80s, and uh, we were told that she fell, and she possibly has a broken hip. Now, uh, that's difficult. As you get older, you know your bones get a little more brittle, so uh, you have to be very, very careful. And apparently she fell outside. She was a very active uh, woman, uh, from what I'm told. Um, we also want to pray for my mom. Uh, my mom fell as well. Uh, my mom is in her 70s. Uh, but you know she's not hurt, but she's shaking a bit, and uh, still don't understand why. You know, my sister and I got her after uh, after Dad passed. Um, we got her that um, that life alert thing. So all she needed to do was press the button, and they would have notified my sister, who lives very close to her, and my sister could have come over and and helped her out. But instead. Uh, she decided not to do that, not to be a bother, and just uh, waited. So I'm going to pray for mom. Uh, again, I love my mom. I really do. She's she's the greatest. Uh, she's not hurt, but she's shaken. Um, and we also want to pray for uh, our pastor's brother, Alan. Alan has uh, stage four I think he said prostate cancer today. I'm not 100% sure, so don't quote me on that one. But um, it's definitely stage four cancer. So we want to pray for Alan. Alan is saved. Alan knows the Lord. And Alan is taking this in stride. So we want to pray for Alan. Uh, and of course, we want to pray for Pastor Martin as well. Uh, Pastor Martin is taking some medications for his uh, eczema. So we want to pray for him. And uh, that especially that uh, he doesn't have any adverse reactions to it. So that's our health request prayer list. Um, and then for salvation, we want to pray, of course, for my mom. Uh, my mom is not yet saved. Uh, my dad was saved. My dad got saved three days before he died. And that was a real tremendous blessing and a tremendous answer to prayer for me, especially because I'd been praying for my dad for years. I got saved in uh, July of 2000, and I started witnessing and talking about the Lord and talking about his soul uh, pretty much right from the start. And uh, you know what the Bible says, you know, a prophet is not without honor, but in his own house. Uh, so um, it was a very hard sell to talk to my dad about. But um, praise the Lord, the Lord softened his heart uh, to the point where he was receptive to the gospel and a, and a really good friend, a uh, pastor friend of mine uh, from Staten Island went to see him and he called me and told me that he had accepted Christ and then three days later the Lord took him home. So we're thankful for that. But um, for my mom, my mom still needs to get saved. So we want to pray for her. Uh, we're also going to pray for my sister. My sister is not saved yet either. Uh, it's coming, but 
not yet. And then um, also we have David in Brooklyn who is in need of salvation. So we want to pray for them. Uh, well, I already gave you some exciting news, and that was about um, my coworker getting saved on the 18th. And um, we also want to celebrate our uh, brother George's birthday. So, George, if you're listening, happy birthday, brother. God bless you. And uh, look forward to uh, doing some great things in the Lord with you. So, so uh, we're going to just pray for George also that uh, the Lord just continues to bless him. Um, and then uh, for some general prayer requests, uh, for Brother George as well, George's business is uh, looking for some contract renewals coming up for this year. So we want to pray for that for him. Um, and we also we had a visitor today at church. Um, his name is Robert. He's a National Guardsman, and uh, I believe he said he's from Bernie, Texas, but he was visiting us down here in Eagle Pass. And uh, uh, so, Robert, if you're listening, God bless you, and thank you, sir, for your service to our country and for all you do. And I know you're looking forward to getting home to your family. So um, with all those uh, prayer requests mentioned, how about we just take a minute here to go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for each and every opportunity that we have to pray for folk. Lord, uh, we look at our health uh, prayer list, our health requests, and Lord, it grows and it grows. And Lord, we, we just think of each and every person that's on here. Uh, uh, James, rheumatoid arthritis, Tilden, bacterial meningitis, Bernice, cancer, um, Alan, uh, cancer, uh, my mom, and Paula, falling, uh, Pastor Martin, and Lord, we just we lift them up to you, and Lord, we just pray that you would just touch each and every one of them and meet them according to their needs and according to the, your will for their lives. Father, for salvation, we want to pray for my mom, we want to pray for my sister, and we want to pray for David, and we're lifting them up to you today, Lord, and we're just asking that you would do just a tremendous work in them, draw them to yourselves so that they might be saved. And then, Lord, also, we want to uh, we want to praise praise you for Brother George for his birthday, and Lord, we pray that you would just continue to bless him as you have in the past, and Lord, we just pray that you would bless him in his business, and Lord, uh, George is a good man. He's a hardworking man. I know that he loves you, and he loves his family, and uh, Lord, so we just pray for George, and then Lord, we want to pray for uh, for Robert, who's been visiting us uh, here at uh, First Baptist Church. And, Lord, we're thankful for him, for his service, and for his walk with the Lord. We know he's saved. Had a really good opportunity to talk with him today. And, um, if you, uh, Brother Robert, if you're listening, God bless you. And I uh, look forward to seeing you again very, very, very soon. All right. So, Heavenly Father, um, we just want to say thank you so much, so much for all the blessings that you pour out over us. And, Lord, we commit all of these prayer requests to you, those for salvation, those for health, uh, those for, with birthdays, and Lord, if there are any folks out there that are listening under the sound of my voice that have unspoken prayer requests that haven't uh, had an opportunity to send them over to us, Lord, we pray that you would just um, you would respond to those prayer requests, unspoken as they are. You know their hearts. You know their need according to your perfect will, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. All right. Well, you know, it's great. Um, 15 minutes into the podcast already, and man, time is just flying so by so fast. I have so much to do, so much going on, 
and uh, this study that we're going to be getting into very, very shortly. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a very short break because we have a lot of ground to cover with our study, and uh, I don't want to try not to hit that hour mark in the in the show. So, um, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a short break, play a song, and when we come back, hopefully you took the opportunity to go get your King James Bible, grab your cup of coffee and your bottle of water, and when we get back, we're going to get into today's Bible study, The Will of God, and we'll be back right after this. I could tell of the story where thousands were fed When he lifted the sick, when he raised up the dead I could sing of the others, like the blind made to see Oh, but I'd rather tell you what's happened to me Say to the uttermost, I know that I am Washed in the blood of the precious Lamb Through the Father, through the Son, through the Holy Ghost I'm saved to the uttermost You must be forgiven to make heaven your home The good life you're living Won't do it alone So trust in the Savior He'll save you today And with blessed assurance You too can say I'm saved to the uttermost I know that I am Washed in the blood of the precious Lamb Through the Father, through the Son Through the Holy Ghost I'm saved to the uttermost Life now is sweet and my joy is complete for I'm saved I'm saved to the uttermost I know that I am Washed in the blood of the precious Lamb Through the Father, through the Son Through the Holy Ghost I'm saved I'm saved to the uttermost. All right. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiello, and uh, that was a great song, wasn't it? Saved to the Uttermost um, by West Coast Baptist College Quartet, Men's Quartet. Really, really great song. Uh, it's a real blessing uh, to have that. And um, and I'm thankful, too, that the microphone was turned off on the break because I was singing along. And um, so I'm sure you don't want to hear me sing. Trust me, you don't. Trust me, you don't. And um, 
one of the things that uh, we're going to study tonight, uh, today rather, is the will of God. Okay, now you hear me mention that sometimes when we pray, you know, we I ask the Lord, you know, to uh, to answer our prayers according to His perfect will for our lives. All right, and you hear a lot of other people talk about that from time to time, and they'll ask, you know, what is the will of God? I'm looking for the will of God in my life, or uh, the will of God needs to be revealed to me, you know, uh, or uh, does God even have a will for me? And you hear all kinds of th- stuff like that. So we're we're going to address that subject purely from a biblical perspective, like we ought to do. We ought to. Uh, and I think that before we're done, we'll find something that pertains to you. You know, the Bible's good at that, isn't it? I think it is. And I think that we'll find something that's relative and that's relevant to you. Uh, before we do that, though, I think we should ha- take a moment for prayer. So let's pray. Our Father, as we approach the sacred word of God today, we do so with an inquisitive mind and an inquisitive heart. We do so asking that you would give us some information, give us some enlightenment, give us some um, understanding about your will for our lives. God, we realize and we recognize that to find the greatest sense of contentment and happiness and fulfillment in life, we'll only find it in the center of your will. You do have a program for us. You do have a will and a purpose for every believer's life. And God, we want to find it. We want to dwell in the midst of it. We want to enjoy all of the benefits and all the resources that come because of it. I pray then that you would give us that kind of enlightenment and and understanding in in this hour. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So, you know, sometimes the will of God is hard to figure out in in certain arenas. In others, it's really very simple. Uh, It's simply a matter of, you know, consulting the word of God, you know, checking with the book. Certain circumstances happen and uh, we kind of wonder about, and if you'll wait long enough, uh, you know, you'll get the picture. You listen to the prayer requests that we take. You listen to how many of our friends and our family are fighting cancer or sick. You know, how many folks that, uh, that attend church have struggled with cancer? You know, many of them survive. Many are on the road to recovery. You know, and I I believe that, you know, without exception, that every one of them is not just due to the wonders of modern medicine, but to prayer. I believe in prayer. I'm not going to say I'm the greatest at it, but I believe in prayer. But when a word as feared as cancer comes to your attention, you say, well, you know, what could God's will be in, in, in a thing like this? You know, I'm sure that that Alan off of our prayer list has asked that question. I'm sure that uh, Bernice and her family have asked that question. What could God's will be in a thing like this? Well, you know, hindsight, you know, they say is 2020. You know, you get to looking backwards and and say, you know, God did God did this and he did this and he did this and he reached that person and he influenced that person. You know, it's amazing what can happen out of these things. But for our purposes today, and as, as I've already mentioned let me uh let me just reiterate that so many times people are looking for the big picture that they miss the little picture you know someone coined this phrase a long time ago uh i don't know who it was but i'm sure they were a lot smarter than me but they said you know you can't see the forest for the trees i'm sure you've heard that 
And I'm sure I'm I'm hoping that you understand what that means. They can't see the forest for the trees or, you know, you can't see the trees for the forest. You know, it all depends on how you want to fly with that thing. Right. But um, the Apostle Paul said this. Uh, he said five times in the scripture that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. You know what that was? That was the big picture. That was God's ultimate plan for Paul to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. And he said five times by the will of God. Do you know what I've observed in a lot of Christian people's lives? They want to jump from square one to apostleship. You know, and I'm thinking about um, the young lady that I led to the Lord this week. You know, uh, they want to jump from square one to apostleship and they then kind of miss everything in between. You know, okay, how can God make me an apostle? Now, I know that theologically they may not really want to be an apostle, but what they're looking for is what is God's ultimate plan and purpose for my life? How can I find it? How can I discover it? You know, what is it? You know, without going through all the steps and all the hoops that God requires for us to get there, you know, and God does. He does have a plan. You can be sure of that. I say, well, Lord, you know, how can I discover what all the steps are? So I did as I normally do. I took my Bible, I took my concordance, and I just, you know, I began to research all the places in the New Testament where God talks about his will. And I'm going to tell you something. It was revolutionary. I have to, I have to confess that. It really was. It was enlightening. You know, what is God's will for the believer's life? Well, how about this? Let's take our Bibles and go over to Galatians chapter 1, and we'll begin there. Galatians chapter 1. Now, I do believe this. You will find a greater sense of contentment, a greater source of happiness, a far greater sense of self-fulfillment, if you'd like to call it that, if you're doing what God wants you to do and you're being what God wants you to be. But what is that? <laughs> Sometimes we want to talk about the apostleship and not the things in between. Well, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 4, we read this. Who gave himself, now the, the, the himself is Jesus Christ in the, first, in the verse before. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. So, all right, so step one in the will of God for your life is for you to be saved. Okay. Now, this is the only point that's really directed at the unbeliever. I've got several more, and they're all directed to us, to believers, to us, the saints. Okay, So if you're listening and you've never personally uh, embraced and entrusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and you've never said, Lord, I need to... I need to know that my sins are forgiven. I need to have assurance in my heart that I'm going to heaven when I die. I need that kind of certainty. And everyone does. Everyone does need it. And God wants everyone to have it. For we're speaking about God's will. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's will for you is to be saved. He's not going to reveal any more of his will to you. He's not going to give you any more of the movie of your life until you step through hoop number one. And that's it right there. You say, I'd like to know if God wants me to be this, do this, go here or go there. God's not going to show you any of those things. He's not. 
God has no purpose for your life beyond you getting saved. When you do that, then the purpose will begin to unfold and be revealed to you step by step. You need to trust Jesus Christ. You know, back in my old church in New York, we used to visit a rescue mission on Thursday nights. Uh, the senior pastor, myself, our deacon on occasion, one or two other men, we would go and we would preach and witness to the men there. On, um, on one of the last trips I made there, a young man got saved. And it's an interesting story. As it came out, th- that particular young man had actually attended our church, not regularly, but he had been there. And uh, he told the deacon uh, that, that he'd been to that church. And, and our deacon asked him, he goes, well, what did you think? When the, preacher, when the preacher you know, preached the gospel and it came to the invitation, were you nervous? And he said, well, I could hardly stand it. Well, why didn't you respond? He said, I was too afraid to respond. Too afraid to respond. You know, fear keeps a lot of people from getting saved. It does. And it's foolish. It's foolish fear. God's will for you is to trust the ultimate sacrifice on your behalf, the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know what tolerance is? You know, the, the world has conditioned people to believe that tolerance is just, you know, allowing people to live however they want to live and do whatever they want to do. Just look at the news today, right? And then they forget about God's tolerance. Well, let me tell you about God's tolerance. God is so tolerant that he will allow you the opportunity to trust his son and receive Jesus Christ as your personal savior up until the moment that you draw your last breath. Now, I've not seen many deathbed conversions. In fact, I've only witnessed two in my 20-plus years as as a believer. Um, I was on hospital visitation when our senior pastor led one man to Christ, and then about eight hours later, he passed away. He led another one to Christ, and about a day and a half later, he passed away. And, you know, like I told you earlier about my dad, you could probably include my dad, uh, but I wasn't present for his. But those are what I call deathbed conversions. You know, the tragedy of it is, is by the time that you get to your deathbed, you've spent a whole lifetime rejecting Jesus Christ. You don't know how else to act. You don't know how else to behave. It's not that God isn't willing. It's not that he isn't merciful. It's not that he he's not um, it's not that he's not uh, desirous to save you, but a heart turns colder and colder and harder and harder toward the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's will for you is to be saved. Once you receive the ultimate sacrifice for your soul that was made on your behalf, when Jesus Christ, the, the eternal Son of God perished on Calvary's cross and shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sin, and you say, God, I'm a sinner, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save my old wretched soul, then you become a child of God by faith and trust in Christ, and God says, now you're one of mine, and I'm going to start to fill you in, step by step, on the family secrets. He's not going to let you in on the family plan until you're obviously part of the family. Amen? Once you become part of the family, then he'll begin to show you some other things. All right? So step one. Step one is what? Step one is to be 
saved. God's will for you is to be saved. God's will for everyone is to be saved. Now, you and I have an opportunity in any one of these steps that we're going to observe to say yes or no to God because God doesn't force his will on anyone. I mean, there may be a couple of exceptions to that in the Bible, but they're rare exceptions. The rule is God does not force his will on anyone. God said to Jeremiah, when thou was in thy mother's womb, I called thee. That's an exception. But God pretty much lets people make up their own mind about the deal. Okay, go to Romans chapter 12 in your Bible. Romans chapter 12. And let's see the next thing in God's will for you. Mm. Man, that coffee's good. Romans chapter 12. Um, Romans chapter 12, here we go. You know, unfortunately, I think that um, as we kind of slug our way through this fog of life, if people have any real sensibilities, any capability of discernment, they eventually begin to understand that we we need a higher direction, a higher purpose, a higher nobility of calling than what mankind can generate within his own mind and heart. There must be a divine source of direction, you know, a godly compass heading, you know, 1611 degrees due north. <laughs> you know, if we're going to find the full fulfillment and satisfaction of life, that's really available in God's will. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So now once again, <clears throat> excuse me, well, once again, the apostle addresses the sub subject of the will of God. And he begins, he begins by saying that we need to present our body as a living sacrifice. But you know what the problem is with a living sacrifice? The you know what the difficulty is with a living sacrifice? I'll give you a second. Well, it keeps crawling off the altar, right? That's the problem. You see, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament is resplendent with, exa with examples of sacrifice. We're reminded of the sacrifice that Abraham was willing to give in the case of his own son, Isaac, in Genesis chapter 22. And at the last possible moment, God intervened and said, Now I see your real intentions of your heart. Slay him not. There's a ram caught in the thicket. You take him and slay him. We're reminded of all the sacrifices that were initiated in the tabernacle and later on in the temple. We're reminded of the burnt offerings and the sin offerings and the meat offerings and the meal offerings. We're reminded of all the Levitical offerings and the sacrifices that surrounded that, that whole system of worship. And then you get to the New Testament and God says, I don't want to kill you. I don't want to kill an animal on your behalf. What I want to do is for you to be a living sacrifice. Man, that's tough. That's a lot harder. Because the living sacrifice keeps crawling off the altar. But that's God's will for your life. That you be a, a living sacrifice. Let's read on. Holy, 
acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. See, God doesn't call it unreasonable. He doesn't think it to be unreasonable. He thinks it's very reasonable. Now, when I was a boy growing up, my dad, uh, you know, he, like most dads do, you know, he put some things on me that I thought were unreasonable. Amen. You know, my dad had certain expectations and so on. And I thought, you know, very frequently that they were unreasonable. I didn't say that, you know, uh, but I thought so. You know, occasionally I would I would balk any way I could, uh, but that's just the way it was. But when you get older, you start to realize that, you know, they weren't really all that unreasonable. You know, I guess this, I guess those expectations weren't really that far out. You know, we kind of had the same attitude with God. That's why he inserts in there, which is your reasonable service. You know the way the Lord is talking to us? He talking he's talking to us like we're children. Reasonable service. It's reasonable. It's not as far out as you think it is. And then he adds to that in verse two, he says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be not conformed to this world. You know, one of the arguments that I tried to use in my dad when I wanted to do something, and I'm sure you've tried this too, the argument was, well, everybody else was doing it. His dad and his dad and his dad are letting him do it. Do you know what my dad's response always was? His response always was the same. I don't care what everyone else is doing. In other words, he said, I refuse to be conformed to everybody else. Be not conformed to this world. Don't be conformed to worldly thinking. Does it matter what Hollywood says? Does it matter what the news media says? Does it matter what the psychological community says? It really doesn't matter at all. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. And there's only one thing, folks, that renews our minds, and it's this book right here. That's all that'll do it, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So transformed living is the second step in God's will for your life and mind. Transformed thinking, transformed living. Not conforming to what the world says, but transformed by the word of God. All right, step number three. Step number three. First Peter chapter four. First Peter chapter 4 and verse 1. It says this, For, the, for as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. So the third step. Now, you know, you could put these in any order that you want. I just put them in this particular order because it just seemed to work down this way in a believer's life. But the third step for your life and for mine in God's will is to learn how to forsake sin. That's what the text is talking about. You know, you need to develop an abhorrence and a hatred for sin that you didn't have before salvation. The more you hang around this book and people who love this book, and the preaching and teaching of this book, the more you'll see that things are not relative. You know, Dr. Kennedy made a really good point 
in a message that I heard him preach once. He was talking about words that have been popularized in America today, and, and they were made to mean something that they don't really mean. Uh, for example, the word relativity. Okay, and uh, this thing has been put out for public consumption for so long now. You know that everything is relative. Everything is relative. Everything, and they've translated that into morality and general behavior and living. And that you know everything is relative. And folks, that's just simply not true. And everybody says, "Well, that's what Einstein taught." Yeah, but Einstein didn't even teach that. <laughs> Did you know that? Here's what Einstein said. Relativity belongs to physics, not ethics. Isn't that interesting? Now, I'm not a physicist to know if relativity belongs to physics or not, but I certainly know it doesn't belong to ethics. I know that. Now, the world says there are no absolutes. That's a lie. The world says that everything is relative and subjective to the situation, to the scenario, to the environment, uh, to, uh, to the thinking and to the circumstances. Well, let me show you why no one in their heart of hearts really believes that. All right, I'm going to lead you up into the mountains and lead you right up to the precipice of a thousand-foot cliff. And I'm going to say to you, why don't you jump off? And you'll say, no, I'm not going to jump off. There's a rocky bottom down there. I'll be splattered all over the mountainside. Well, why do you believe that if everything is relative? Maybe you won't. Maybe you'll survive. Amen? It's all relative, you see? You see what that person really believes in his heart is the absolute doctrine of gravity. Or how about if we get a... Get a um, you know, go over to an electrical outlet and take out one of those uh, one of those hot wires. You know, uh, we tell you the wire is hot, the circuit breaker's on, the juice is in there. We put a tester on it. So uh, why don't you just grab hold of both ends? Oh, I'm not going to do that. I'll get shocked. But everything's relative. You may not. You never know. But you say I will. Well, you know what? You just subscribed to the absolute doctrine of electricity. Now, why don't you go out there and play on the highway? <laughs> All right? You see what I'm saying, though? Th this insane philosophy people try to perpetuate is nothing more than just dribble, you know, childish dribble. And the thing is that people buy into it. There absolutely are absolutes in life. The Bible is a book of absolutes, and he says the next thing you need to do is learn to forsake sin, forsake sin. And on that, we're going to take a short break, and we will be right back right after this little piece. Right back. This book contains the mind of God, the state of man the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. 
Christ is its subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given to you in life, will be open in the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and condemns all who trifle with its holy precepts. The King James Bible, God's Holy Book. All right, folks, welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Russiello, and I know I play that every single week, but I love it. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sure you're probably getting tired of hearing it, but the King James Bible, it's what it is. And uh, but um, So if you're tired of hearing it, you could just skip through it if you want. I'd hope you don't, but you could. All right, so uh, the last thing we talked about was uh, forsaking sin. So here's another one, Ephesians chapter 6. Let's go over to Ephesians chapter 6. We're talking about the will of God for our lives, all right? Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling and singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. Now, you notice that in every one of these passages that we're consulting, the will of God is mentioned. Every one of them. Every one of them. The will of God, the will of God, the will of God, the will of God. You know what the will of God is talking about here in verse 5 and 6? It's what I would call routine duty. Routine duty. The illustration that's brought to the forefront is servants. Be like a servant. Do you know what a servant is encompassed with the vast majority of their life? Just routine duty. Just grinding away. I know that life has a few highs and a few lows, but most of it is just a big, broad valley in between. You know what life is? It's cooking the meals. It's going to work. It's doing the laundry. It's uh, grocery shopping. You know, it's just... just most of it is just routine duty, folks. So it is in our Christian life. It's going to church. It's praying for folk, learning how to pray and being an intercessor for people. I read a quote. Um, oh, I don't remember how long ago it was, but it was probably one of the greatest quotes I ever read. And it was made by a very, very prominent Southern Baptist preacher. And I'm, you know, we'll forgive him for that. Uh, the guy's name is. A- <laughs> Sorry if you're a Southern Baptist, but. You guys got problems. <laughs> uh, we'll forgive him. Uh, the guy's name is Adrian Rogers. All right, uh, He has a very large Southern Baptist church out in Tennessee. I don't know a lot about his ministry or a lot about him, but this quote, I love this quote. And here it is. He said, we spend more time praying the sick into heaven than we do praying the lost out of hell. Let me Let me give that to you again. We spend more time praying the sick into heaven than we do praying the lost out of hell. Now that is profound. Man. More time praying the sick into heaven than we do praying the lost out of hell. Boy, oh boy. 
that's why, you know, what we try to do as preachers, that's why my pastor does this. I try to do this. You know, uh, we try to keep people with an external vision. Because once a church turns inward, it becomes a religious country club. The vision has to stay out there. We're trying to reach folks with the glorious gospel. We're trying to see people saved. Routine duty comprises a great deal of that. Prayer meeting, going to church, reading your Bible, teaching a Sunday school class, doing whatever it is that you can do, street preaching, giving out a gospel track. I mean, routine duty could be as simple as bringing a great big bowl of potato salad to a fellowship meal so that everyone could have plenty to eat and we could show our guests a good time and show them that Christians really aren't as nutty as somebody told them they were. Routine duty, that's all. That's all. And yes, most of it is dull. Most of it is not exciting, not thrilling. It's not exhilarating. It's just routine duty. But you know something? That's life. That's what it is. Here's another one. First Thessalonians chapter five. First Thessalonians chapter five. And it gets tougher. Okay. The will of God is mentioned in every one of these occasions. In First Thessalonians chapter five, and let's look for verse eighteen. First Thessalonians five, verse eighteen. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. In Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, give thanks. Oh, man, you've got to be kidding me. Now, if there's anything I just assume not be complicit to, it's that right there, okay? Uh, giving thanks in everything. That means that uh, someone who has cancer should give thanks for cancer. Now, that's easy for me to say because I don't have it. There are some things in life that are just not easy to give thanks for. Amen. But what does the book say? The book says to give thanks in some things. No, it doesn't say that. It says to give thanks in all things. Now, what really creates, and listen, I am not a medical doctor, okay? I don't pretend to be. Uh, but I've read a number of things, articles, and I just want you to follow my reasoning, okay? So stay with me for a second, all right? I've read a number of articles where doctors suggest that healing is advantaged and promoted greatly in the lives of people that are stricken with various maladies, whether it's cancer, whether it, you know, whatever it might be, if they have a good, positive attitude versus a negative and complaining attitude. And I've read a number of articles suggesting that. In fact, uh, in church, uh, our pastor even said the same thing. You know, if people have a positive attitude, the likelihood of their recovery is enhanced tremendously. As opposed to a negative, oh, you know, poor pity me attitude. Now, do you suppose that God knows what he's talking about? Do you suppose that uh, there's a hair of a chance that God, God could be right when he says, give thanks in all things. Do you see what that does? You go into a thing and it may have negative possibilities. It may have uh, fearful extremes, but you go into the thing and you say, I'm just going to thank the Lord for it. That 
in and of itself engenders a wonderful and a positive attitude, then all of a sudden the very chances of your recovery are enhanced manyfold over. Giving thanks in all things. It's not always easy to do. It's not. But that's the will of God. The will of God is for you to thank the Lord and not complain. You know what one of the greatest sins Israel committed um, back in the book of Numbers? I think it was. Yeah, Numbers. Uh, during the wilderness wanderings, one of the harshest judgments that God ever exact, exacted upon Israel was for the sin of complaining. They complained and complained. They complained. You know, Americans love to complain. You know, we're, we're great complainers, aren't we? I think we've perfected the science. We complain about government. We complain about taxes. We complain about our neighbor. We complain about everything. You know how I know that? Because I'm good at it too, <laughs> okay? Just being honest with you, I'm good at it too. But the Bible says, give thanks in all things. Wow. You know, but but what that does is it um, it changes a mental attitude to a positive perspective. And that benefits you uh, physically, spiritually, psychologically. I mean, you benefit all the way around. If you could just get the handle on this part of the will of God for your life, giving thanks in all things. You couldn't do that if you were married to whom I'm married to. Believe me, I've heard that one run out. Trust me. Trust me. Folks, I'm not the one who came up with the idea, okay? I would have never come up with the idea. You know, this is, this is just way beyond me. This is God's idea. Did you ever stop to think about uh, that if you were complaining about your spouse, that God may never activate any change in your spouse until you quit complaining and started thanking? Did you ever stop to think about that? This is the will of God. You know, that dirty old, you know, I know, I know, I know. Look, I'm giving you good counsel here, all right? This is marriage counseling. This is good counsel. Quit griping and start giving thanks. Can you find one thing about your spouse that you like? One. Just one thing. I mean, is there one thing that she cooks good? Is there one thing that he does that's not too... um offensive <laughs> is there one side that he sleeps on where he doesn't snore give thanks give thanks a thankful people are a much more contented people that's the will of god for your life so i wonder what apostleship is you know quit worrying about what apostleship is just go through the steps just go through the steps but you know what that's not all here's another one first peter chapter two please First Peter chapter 2, while I take a sip. Mm, that's good. First Peter chapter 2, verse 13. This is better. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme, or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and for the praise of them that do well. For so is, there's our phrase, the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. 
Now, I would say, if I were to summarize this passage, that this is talking about respecting your liberty. God has given us, as, uh, as New Testament believers, great flexibility and broadened the parameters in so many areas and arenas of our life. Uh, and he's given us great liberty. He really has. But if you examine the text really carefully, he's talking about having great respect and having a sense of responsibility toward that liberty. Don't abuse it. Don't abuse it. You know, the reason why laws keep getting made and enforced and perpetuated on society is because liberty is abused. So they make more laws. That liberty is abused. So they make more laws. That liberty is abused. They make more laws. And it's like that. Learn to respect your liberty. Don't abuse it. Don't take advantage of it. Be very responsible and respectful toward it. And he uses an interesting illustration here for it. Look at verse 14. Look at verse 14. Or unto governors, as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, and the praise of them that do well. Now, I don't know what your politics are. And honestly, I really don't care. Okay? It doesn't matter to me. But I'll say this to you. I was very glad that we had a president that was interested in punishing the evildoers. I was glad for that. Do you know why? That's biblical. That's biblical. You know what the Bible says? It says that you need to have a certain high regard for the respect of liberty. And that's true politically, and it's true spiritually. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. I think that text is self-explanatory. Now go over to 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. I have about 12 more of these. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I only have two more and we'll be done. Two more and we'll be done. 1 Peter chapter 3. We're almost there. Just turn the page. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 17. Here's another tough one. All right. I mean, giving thanks in all things is tough, but here's another tough one. But it's the will of God. Okay. People say, I want my apostleship. Well, how about this? Transformed living forsaking sin, respecting your liberty. And first Peter chapter three, verse 17. Here's another one for it is for it is better. If the will of God be so that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil doing. So here's the idea of the verse. You suffer sometimes for doing right. You don't always suffer for doing wrong. Sometimes you suffer for doing right. And sometimes it's the will of God for someone to suffer for doing right. Have you ever read or seen extracts from Fox's Book of Martyrs? It's a book of history, particularly medieval days, Inquisition days, of literally thousands of people who suffered and lost their lives and were martyred and executed for not doing wrong, not for being violators of the law, civil or otherwise, but for doing right. They did the right thing and they suffered. Sometimes it's the will of God to suffer for doing right. You know, young people, if you're listening, sometimes you're going to be called names. Sometimes you're going to have your reputation violated. Sometimes bad and evil things are going to be spoken about you for doing the right thing. Well, at least I hope so. At least I hope so. You know, for wanting to do right, for wanting to be right. 
you know, you go down to high school and, and you say, well, I don't take drugs. Well, what are you? You know, you're going to suffer for doing right. Like, a, like an old preacher once said, do right and you'll be sure to get kicked in the teeth. <laughs> Folks, sometimes that's the will of God to suffer for doing the right things. Dr. Bob Jones Sr. used to say, do right until the stars fall, but do right. Another old preacher said, you can't do right and get away with it. You understand, understand the sarcasm of that? You can't do right and get away with it. You know, we've always heard you can't do wrong and get away with it. Well, you can for a while. In other words, if you're going to do right, sooner or later, it's going to show up and someone at the very least is going to have an accusing finger pointed at you, if not uh, a lot harsher judgment in your behalf. Do right. Do right. Sometimes you're going to suffer. You say, well, I'm trying to do the right thing. You know, I've had people come to me over the years and say, you know, I've tried to do the right thing here and here and here and here. And, and they were mystified as to why they were suffering. They can't figure it out. You know, they have this um, uh, this uh, convoluted concept in their mind that if they line up all their ducks in a row and do everything right, that everything is going to be just, you know, peaches and cream you know everything's going to be grand everything's going to be a proverbial paradise and that's not really always the way it is sometimes you're going to suffer for doing right you know what that is that's the will of god that's the will of god but you know what the thing of it is it'll build you it'll help you it'll develop you do right do right this is the last one that we're going to get into today. Second Corinthians chapter eight. Second Corinthians chapter eight. You see, the way I approach message building is, and it may not be the you know exactly the way they're teaching it in Bible school. You can get a lot of preconceived ideas of what the will of God is, but the best way to do it, the best way to do it is just to go to the Bible and find out what it is. What does the Bible say? In each one of these cases, the will of God has been associated with these concepts. By by word, this is the will of God. What's the will of God? Be saved. That's the will of God. What's the will of God? Transform thinking and living. What's the will of God? Forsaking sin. What's the will of God? Routine duty. What's the will of God? Giving thanks in all things. What's the will of God? Respecting your liberty and not abusing it. What's the will of God? Sometimes suffering for doing right. And in first, in second Corinthians chapter eight and verse five, um, well, you know what? Let's back up to verse one and get some background. Uh, verse one, second Corinthians chapter eight, verse one. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Okay, so now if you didn't get all that, here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. Paul is writing to the Corinthians, and he's saying, your neighbors, the Macedonians, gave a sacrificial love offering. 
they gave this sacrificial love offering for some beleaguered saints, in all probability, the ones back in Jerusalem. And he said they gave this offering out of their own deep poverty. I mean, it's not like they were wealthy. You know, they weren't well-to-do. It's not like they had extra, you know. They gave out of their deep poverty so that someone else might be able to be helped. They gave liberally, he said. They gave out of great liberality. And he said, you know what? This is the will of God unto us by the will of God. In verse 5, first they gave themselves, then they gave whatever else they had. So you know what the will of God is? Giving. Giving is the will of God. Now, generally when we speak of giving, people automatically think of finances. You know, the church that I'm part of is really good at giving financially. We have missionaries come in and visit, and, and our little church sends them off with thousands of dollars. No one forces anyone to give, but this church, since I've been there, has always responded well to giving. Giving. You know, we usually translate that at finances, but folks, do you know what the verse says? Verse 5, And this they did, not as we hope, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord. Do you know what God is more interested in than your checkbook? Do you know what God is more interested in than your wallet? He's interested in, first of all, your soul, that you'd be saved. Secondly, he's interested in your heart, because if he can get your heart, he can get the rest of it. That's what he wants. He wants your heart. He wants your affections. He wants your love. He wants your loyalty. Those are the things he really wants. The checkbook is secondary. It's superficial. You know, the Lord wants you to give you to him. And it kind of goes back to where we started in Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. It's a giving attitude. It's a giving spirit. Give, and it shall be given unto you. So what's the will of God? The will of God is for people to give to give of themselves, to give of their time, to give of their energy, to give of their thought life, to give of their resources in any way that's available to them. Giving is godly living in so many ways. You know, America has historically been a giving country. It's been a benevolent country. It's been a very charitable country. You know, make no mistake about it, the charitableness and the giving heart and attitude of America is the direct and deep reflection of, on the Christian heritage of America. When the Christian heritage and culture is finally removed from this country, as so many people are trying to remove it, then the charitable giving will go by the wayside as well. Anytime there's a natural disaster in the world, who's the first to load up the airplane? Who's the first to show up with blankets, food, tents, clean water? It's Americans. It's Americans, and it's, it's always been an amazement to me. You'll have a great earthquake in Iran, like they have about every five years, and 10,000 people will be killed. Now, Iran is an Islamic nation, and they live in a part of the world where it's wall-to-wall -wall Islamic people. And they live in, the part, in a part of the world where those people are extremely wealthy, like Saudi Arabia and Kuwait. They have lots of money. 
your money, oil money. They have lots of money, and they're the f- and are they the first to show up with caravans? It's Americans. It's Americans. But why is it Americans? It's because of our Christian heritage. Christianity teaches giving. And when we lose that heritage, when we lose that motivation, we'll lose a giving spirit. God blesses giving. God desires his people to be a giving people. So what's the will of God? What's the will of God? Well, we kind of want to focus on what's my apostleship, right? Five times Paul said, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. But there are a whole lot of steps in between. To be saved, transform thinking and living, forsaking sin, settling into routine duty, giving thanks in all things, respecting your liberty, sometimes suffering for doing right and learning how to give. That's the will of God. We like to make the will of God to be this deep and dark mystery, this unattainable, unattachable figment of someone's imagination that's floating out yonder in the fog that could never quite be retrieved. And the will of God is perfectly and clearly outlined right here in the Word of God. That's what it is. Just do it. And if you're doing that, and God wants you to give you any further revelation about apostleship, then you know he's more than capable of doing it. Concentrate on this. Doing what he's made very, very clear you're supposed to do. And that comes to the end of our study for today. We went way over. Way over. But it's a good thing. It's a very good thing. And I'm thankful for it. Folks, this, honestly, to me, was an important message. It it really was. It was an important study on the will of God. I needed this. And I'll tell you, I I was thoroughly blessed as I was going through it during the course of the week and preparing for it. But, folks, um... I would love to have your feedback on it, so don't forget to go over to sort of the spirit podcast.com, log in there, and you know, send me off your thoughts. Uh, go to that contact section and send us over a message. And, folks, thank you so much for tuning in every single week faithfully. Uh, don't forget to check us out on all the platforms that we're on. Visit our website, sort of the spirit podcast.com, and I look forward to being with you again. Uh, next week, oh, and next month, next month, we're going to start broadcasting live programs. And I'll give you more information on that as it comes. But uh, the podcast will still be available. We'll broadcast live on a Sunday. And the podcast will be uploaded on Monday as usual. Same message, different times. All right, so, but we'll get more into that as it gets closer. Uh, Until we meet again next week, may God bless you, may God keep you, and have a great, great week. Take care. See you soon. You've been listening to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. If you have any questions or comments, visit our website at swordofthespiritpodcast.com and send us a message. Or email us directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Until next time, God bless you and good day. Well, that's about it, really. 
the film ends mainly visually.